I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is it. Penn State fans have been waiting for this, or have they? Penn State, Ohio State this weekend at Beaver Stadium. Uh, we're going to talk about the game. I'm Nate Bauer. He is Sean Fitz. This is the Blue White Illustrated Daily Edition. Fitz, I'm I'm trying to annoy everybody right right from the jump. Do you think I did? I mean, it? you're doing a heck of a job this week, apparently, with your. Uh, Penn, by the way, Penn State six and one uh, right now. What? Uh, entering, yes. Um, no, you're you're not annoying everyone. You you provide an analytical, devil's advocate perspective on everything. But at least it's analytical. At least it's well spoken, well dressed. Is you know in the eye of the beholder. Um, but no. But, but we're here to talk Penn State, Ohio State. As you mentioned, this is the game that people have been waiting for. It's not a way out this year. Fox loves their big noon kickoff. They're going to do that again this weekend. Um, you know, maybe it changes some things with the with the outlook of the game, with getting Ohio State in a spot where you want them. It's, it's funny because I, I know I'm not the only one that does this. Five days ago, I'm thinking Penn State going to get slaughtered. Just, uh, you know, Ohio State, very, very good. And then as the week goes along, you just start to talk yourself into, well, if this happens, if this other thing happens, you know, if, if A plus B eventually equals C, then you've got, you know, a, a close game. James Franklin has played Ohio State very well. That's that is a, you know, that is a fact compared to some of the other teams that he's struggled against. Um, hasn't won those games, but has played them well from a spread perspective, things like that. Um, so you start talking to yourself and by Thursday, you're thinking, man, this is, this is how this can go. This is how we can, we can, you know, get all these, all these facts and all these opinions and mesh them together. And all of a sudden you come out thinking Penn State's going to win. I'm obviously not there, um, but that's the way that we talk through a big week. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to do it with you here on a Thursday. Yeah, uh, it's not impossible, right? Oh, Ohio no, State's, no, no, not Ohio at all. State's, no. Ohio State's very good, like bottom line. Michigan is very good, bottom line. Penn State, I, I, like it should be out there at this point. It should be digestible enough that people should be able to come to grips with the notion that Penn State isn't at that level. But not being at that level doesn't mean that Penn State's not a good team or that a team that's not at that level can't beat a team at that level. It happens at that level in 2016. Yeah, it's exactly. And that's, yeah. Well, I mean, that's, it's unfortunate that we just keep coming back to the same game, especially since 2017 was a better team. Yeah. Um, and that was the opportunity that got away from them and could sort of maybe change the trajectory of how things would go from there. So, but you're right. Anything can happen. Um, you know, you've got things going for you. You get Ohio state at home once every two years and you, you need to make the most of it. The, the, I mean, the funny thing I'm thinking about it right now, the funny thing to me is, uh, I was going to say Ohio State loses one of these every year or, or something like it, right? But it's, of course, that's the case when you're as good as Ohio State has been, right? Like, so most of the games that Ohio State plays 
they're going to be the favorites in. They're going to be the team that you clearly on paper think is the better program. And so, yeah, when you throw out a Purdue in Iowa and some of the other losses that have kind of marked um, their seasons in the past five or five or six years, uh, you know, that's that's the case. I don't think I think that Penn State is a better team than those teams were when they were able to beat Ohio State at home. The, the Penn State absolutely has a chance in this game. But, uh, but but Penn State doesn't get that game from Ohio State. Ohio State, you know, we talked yeah, about with point. Michigan. There's a there's a you know, aside from the one and zero outlook every weekend, which every team has seemed to have adopted, you play differently when you're Ohio State and you play Penn State and you play Michigan. Then you play against Iowa. Then you play against Purdue. Uh, sometimes even Michigan State, but that's kind of in the, that that one can float and go back and forth. So you don't get the the letdown game really ever from Ohio state when it comes to Ohio state, Penn state, they know how important this game is. I, yeah. I mean, the rivalry is up North. I mean, there's no question about that whatsoever, but this is one where you, you, there's been cages rattled in the past. And, that, and that's something that, that sticks with them. Ryan day knows exactly how important this game is because if this game costs them a big 10 championship and, a and, a and, you know, in, in 2016. And oh, I mean that, that they, they don't want to let that happen again. Yeah, for sure. Um, where should we start? Should we start with practice last night? We've got, we've got Wednesday practice to talk about, and we've got, uh, Penn state coming out of Minnesota. Let's, let's maybe start with practice last night. Uh, and, and some of the things that we were able to see, uh, at practice. Not much. Um, we just, uh, I'm not saying <laughs> we're very, very grateful for the windows we get at practice, but they of seem course. to be getting, I don't know if they're getting smaller or if there's just less happening, not a ton going on. Grateful to see, you know, one-on-ones and things like that, but we're only in there for about 20 minutes. A lot of that is ball security. A lot of that is, uh, you know, just just special teams work and things like that. Um, So not a ton to take away. You can take a look at personnel. Um, You know, I don't think it's surprising. No Landon Tangwall did not play last week. Of course, hurt himself in the the lead up to the Michigan game and warmups. Caden Wallace, uh, who left the game last week against Minnesota, I would call him very limited in what we saw. So probably going to see quite a bit of Bryce Efner there at right tackle. The good news, though, um, Chop uh, Chop Robinson back on the field uh, missed that week against Minnesota, but seems to be back. and And I would label him a full participant if we were doing an NFL uh, report. So um, yep. you got guys. You you watched the offense. You said Keandre Lambert Smith uh, looked to be moving a little bit better. Uh, noted in the in the lead up to the Minnesota game that he was. Yep. He's a little bit hobbled. So getting those guys back, uh, a fairly healthy team, except uh, those offensive line injuries are not good, especially when yeah. you're overmatched from the start against a, a defense like Ohio State. Yeah, and I think uh, one one more guy to mention is Kevon Lee uh, was also not at practice uh, in the window that we saw. And so, you know, you, you kind of are starting to get the sense to understand that obviously he's injured. He uh, missed all of last week's game. He he. Walk me back it, through the sequence it was there. It was it was weird because he was you know uh, he was out he was not out for the pre pre warm up and then the pre game warm up he came out he was in pads he was running around and looked down in the first quarter actually probably when the team ran out or in the first quarter or something like that and he's back into not street clothes he's wearing his jersey but he's not wearing pads so I guess he went to test it did not work and uh, that, then Penn State found themselves with two, with two scholarship running backs but he's been he's been banged up and uh, as we mentioned last week he was at team functions uh, quarterback club uh, things like that uh, went to Nittanyville last week so he's still still with the program it's just a matter of he's not he's not ready to go yeah 
Yeah. So that that was I, I mean, I'm with you last night, uh, you know, in James Franklin's uh, interview and obviously uh, Penn, the, the media was able to talk to Johnny Dixon for a little bit. It just it just wasn't a whole lot. Right. The, the one thing that I would note that's interesting um, and maybe this is a little inside baseball, but m- most of the conversations that we have uh, in, in terms of Q&A's with Franklin after practice on Wednesdays and even even on Tuesdays don't have a ton to do with Penn State's opponent that week. Uh, right. It's it's so much of it is just about what Penn State is and so on and so forth. And, and it just it just really struck me how many of the questions and how much of the attention was on Ohio State, because this is one of those games where it's probably not as much about Penn State. Right? Like it's not, it's not about Penn state necessarily hitting its, you know, true ceiling as, as much as it is about yes, Penn state's impact on Ohio state, but also like just this bevy of ways that, that Penn state has to be able to handle all of the things that, that Ohio state brings to the table. Um, Speaking of where Penn state is, where its ceiling is, you know, this, this roller coaster of the last, three or four weeks has, has landed here and here is open to many interpretations. I'm wondering what yours is right now. I mean, 11 and one still on the table at this point in the season. I mean, that's the bottom line. I mean, you, you, I, I don't think they're going to get there, but it's, it's <laughs> still on the say, table. Stop it. Well, stop I, I, mean, it. I mean, it's it, it, for that to be on the table. It's like the, the point you were playing or the point you were making on our Monday show about most programs don't get the chance to play this game, you know, totally. to, to put themselves in position. And, and, uh, and, and I think what you took away from that or what people seem to have taken away from that and taken it to the board to, for, for some healthy discourse there is that, not telling you to change your expectations. Like, I mean, I think it's different when you're talking changing expectations versus managing what was out there to begin with. We, we both had what nine and three this season. I know you were yeah. on the 10 and two train for a while, dialed it back a little bit. Um, so I, I think that you, you're kind of ahead of that. Um, but, uh, but that, but that doesn't matter. I mean, you're, you're going out to be 12 and 0 every year. If that's your expectations, that's your expectations. Tom Bradley said it, the expectations are the expectations. They're not going to change. Um, so no, I, I think it's, it, it's worthwhile. It, it's so tough to do this going into Ohio state. Cause we both think that Penn state's going to get beat. And we both think that Ohio state is a very good to, to great to it, to elite team. I watched them just pound Michigan state this morning, just did, did anything that they wanted to. And you think maybe Penn state is a step ahead of Michigan state, but I think there's clear steps behind it. So, um, I, I, I just don't, I don't know what the overall you're, you're the big picture guy here. I'm, yeah. the, I'm the information guy. Um, but I, I just don't know <laughs> that this is the, the measuring stick. Now they had a really good opportunity to improve that measuring stick against Michigan. And then all of a sudden just fell apart. I mean, this yeah. game does potentially have a waterfall uh, snowballing type of effect to it. If Ohio state scores a couple touchdowns in a row, things add up quickly. I mean, we talk all the time about, managing your expectations from a play to play to basis from a drive to drive basis and talk about Penn state's not going to score on every drive. They're not going to keep them out of the end zone on every drive. Ohio state does a pretty good job of almost scoring on every drive. And that's not, uh, that's not a statistical thing, but it's just, it seems like when you watch it, just the points pile up and that's where James Franklin wants this program to be. And that's, that's not where this program is right now. So 
I think yeah. that that's a, a roundabout way of saying that they're they're just not there, and uh, it's it's probably the wrong time to have the big picture conversation when the number two team in the country is coming, and you're trying to talk about an upset. Yeah, I mean, I think I think to me the 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 question to ask right now is how much better is this Penn State team this week than the first couple of weeks of the season? Right, you you saw a team in the first couple of weeks of the season that had some explosive plays. A little disjointed offensively, defensively was was pretty good, um, but you just you, you didn't quite know. And, and so, I, I, to me, you you just have this moment of all right. Michigan was this brutal wake up call, right? The the alarm at four o'clock in the morning that you're just not ready for. Did Minnesota and the way Penn State won that game and the way Penn State played in that game at least put the train back on the tracks? <laughs> Right. Like, and to me, it did. It did. Yeah. Uh, and I think that you could take that from what James Franklin said this week on Tuesday. He brought it up. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure how much attention it got, but this notion of he was really proud of the way that they responded to that game as a program, that responded to the Michigan game as a program, the, the, the maturity to handle Sunday. Back on Tuesday, Wednesday, through the week, P.J. Mustafer he brought up, how hard they played against Minnesota. You know what this team is. We, we understand the strengths and the weaknesses. None of that stuff is a surprise at this point. Uh, but just because you know what the weaknesses are does not mean that the strengths didn't exist in the first place. <laughs> that there are still things about this Penn State team, win or lose on Saturday, that are going to be very, very difficult for future opponents to handle and probably will will be a challenge, a real challenge to Ohio State to handle uh, when Ohio State has not, I, I don't think, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I don't think Ohio State has played a program of Penn State's caliber, at least of this team's caliber this season. Like, I think two, that much is fair. Two things on that. Number one, did you actually want my opinion on my expectations or were you just setting yourself up for that? Because yeah, that's no, what it I, sounds like. Yeah, you, you, you were talking a lot, and I was like, when can I break in? <laughs> I figured that was the case. Number two, you look at this Ohio State schedule, and we've kind of fell in that trap with Michigan, but we caught ourselves and said, hey, Michigan hasn't played anybody, but they're still really good. Ohio State's schedule, I mean, and I this is not a compliment to Sean Clifford, but Sean Clifford is the best quarterback Ohio State will have faced. And that's that's saying something about the rest of the schedule. Um, because it was not good whatsoever. Uh, Wisconsin in disarray when they played them, scored 21 points in the first quarter there. Uh, they played Rutgers. They played uh, Michigan State, who, you know, I don't want to say hung with them, but, uh, you know, was was matching, I think it was 14-14 at one point or, or 14-7. It was closer than they're used to playing games. Um, Notre Dame, I think you can just throw that one out the window um, because that's obviously a, an opening game nothing that you can really take away from that and say this is going to help them all in big 10 play especially with the way that notre dame has tailspun after that loss so um but i mean regardless of who they have played they're putting up nearly 50 points a game they've got the number three defense in the big 10 jim Knowles has fixed a defense that was already good but not great and made them a great defense um so they just can do whatever they want. They're balanced. Um, you know, if they can't beat you in one way, they can beat you in another. And I think that's really what you have to keep in mind when Ohio State's out there is there's just so many places that they can go. There are, I think, avenues to beating 
Ohio State. We're going to get them in a little bit, but you got to you got to know the personnel first, and uh, you, it starts with that offense. And there's there's legitimate household names. C.J. Stroud, I think, is the betting favorite for the Heisman, maybe maybe second right now. Um, you have to get after him. Um, he's he's accurate as all get out um, in terms of. I mean, he's he's the best quarterback in the Big Ten by far. I think it is. Um, so you got to really get after him, and 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 that's a question because this offensive line is pretty good. Uh, Trevion Henderson, Mayan Williams, the running backs. Williams averages seven yards a carry. Henderson has six. Goes back to the offensive line again. But these guys are talented, high draft pick type guys. Um, on the outside, it, this is the conversation that we're having with Ohio State. Will Jackson Smith and Jigba play? And does it really matter? He's probably their most talented wide receiver. But Ameka Abuga, uh, 41 catches, three, uh, 735 yards, seven touchdowns. And Marvin Harrison Jr. is incredible. Like that that matchup with Joey Porter Jr. we'll talk about in a few minutes, but he's got 38 catches for 598 yards and 10 touchdowns. He averages a touchdown every 3.8 receptions, and he makes tough catches look just routine. He's got he's got ball skills that I don't know that I've ever seen before. And knowing his dad, that's not a surprise. But you usually pick up a lot from your father if he played in the NFL. But genetic ball skills are a new one for me. I haven't seen that. And then of course. A third receiver is Julian Fleming, uh, 17 catches, 237 yards, six touchdowns. The Southern Columbia kid, um, that's two of their starting receivers from, from Pennsylvania, and that's, that's a problem. That's a recruiting problem. But uh, you've, got, uh, you, you've got guys that you can, go, you can turn to at any layer in the defense and really make some things happen. Um, but, I mean, the guy that, that jumped out to me is Cade Stover. He's a converted defensive lineman. He's a tight end. Uh, he's got 18 catches, 231 yards, and two touchdowns. I think he's a guy that could slip loose and cut, catch a couple touchdowns this week. I mean, that's you, you spend so much time focusing on the firepower that they have in the backfield and on the outside. You can kind of forget about Cade Stover. He can work the middle of the defense, which Penn State, you know, in the second level has been soft at times, and they've left the middle of the field open. So Cade Stover, definitely a name to watch on the offensive side of the ball. As I mentioned, that line is good. Donovan Jackson is the next Wyatt Davis there. Um, Iowa did some nice things to stunt him and get him confused. He's still a young guy. Uh, if he gets his hands on you, it's a problem, but if he's still a young guy. So if you throw some stunts at him, Maybe something works. Matt Jones, the right guard, a little bit hobbled. Um, so we'll see how Ohio State works through there. But the thing that I just keep going back to, and I said this in our predictions yesterday, is the depth catches up with everyone that they play. Like they are so deep at every position, um, more so on the defense side of the ball, but on the offensive side of the ball, that it's really, really tough to maybe you knock the um, maybe you knock the uh, knock a ball down or get them in second and 25 and you feel pretty good about yourself. This is an offense that can dig themselves out of holes. And as that happens, put up a ton of points. So it's very difficult to defend them. Um, Manny Diaz has his work cut out for him this weekend. Those linebackers have their work cut out for him. And, you know, at every level of defense, they feel confident in their secondary Penn state does as they have all year. Um, but Ohio state's going to attack them as well. Um, so yeah. there, there's a lot to lot to deal with if you're Manny Diaz in, in the meeting rooms this week. Yeah, it it uh, it reminds me of uh, a buddy's dad um, used to always want to bet me for things, right? And and uh, his approach to, to betting was was always was it Greg. No, it wasn't Greg. Not no. <laughs> yeah, he, but he would always say he would say uh, who do you, who do you want? What do you want to like? Who who do you want to take? I'll take the other one whatever that is, like, it does not matter what you want to bet. I will take the other side and feel very confident in it. 
And that's what it feels like this Ohio State offense is, is what, what do you want to do to us? You, you, you do that. You, you throw whatever you think is effective at us. James Franklin talked about it on Wednesday night. Uh, it's one thing when you face, and this is absolutely the case for the majority of Penn State's opponents so far this season outside of Michigan, right, is they do one thing well. And so if Penn State stops that one thing that they do well, uh, Penn, Penn State has been able to come out of those games largely unscathed. This isn't that, right? You, you, can, you, you might be able to take away the running backs, but okay, then there's C.J. Stroud and those receivers. All right, maybe you're able to take away the receivers and maybe you're able to limit C.J. Stroud. You're, you're leaving yourself vulnerable somewhere, no matter what you do with this Ohio state offense. It does not mean that they're infallible and can't make mistakes and that you can't create some opportunities for yourself. I think that if Penn state has done anything fairly well this season, it's that, but hands are going to be full for Penn state. uh, And and that's, and that's not a criticism of Penn state that you you mentioned. They've got to go out there and create, um, you know, you you don't have to be flawless, but you got to be close. You got to, play your play your ceiling game um no doubt about it um and does that result in a tip ball that becomes an interception i think we said that coming after the first game pressures turning into sacks and sacks turning into strip sacks and and just the little ladders that you have to climb uh to get where you need to be because the margin of error so much smaller against ohio state the 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 further that you have or the the distance that you have to climb on those little ladders is higher at, at ohio state so i think that that's kind of what you're saying defensively. It's not a knock on Penn State's defense. I think Penn State has a very good defense, but at, at some point you got to, as you said, pick your poison and, and find out what uh, if you made the right decisions. Yeah, uh, no, no doubt. We are going to get to, to the, the defensive side of the ball for Ohio State in a moment, uh, but first we need to recognize and shout out our sponsor, uh, which is Ticksman Jim. Uh, you guys are all familiar at this point. Have you been looking for a reliable source of Penn State football tickets? Jim at TixmanJim.com, formerly at PSUTixman.com, has been running his ticket exchange in Wilmington, Delaware for over 25 years. Every buyer is handled with courtesy, respect, and every ticket purchase is guaranteed. Proceeds are used to fund the Penn State AA Chapter Scholarship Fund and the PSU Levi Lamb Fund for Athletic Scholarships. Uh, Get your Ohio State tickets. Ohio State tickets. If you're still looking, get your Ohio State tickets. Uh, you can still uh, go to www.ticksmanjim.com, email Jim at ticksmanjim at gmail.com, or call him directly at 302-521-8380. Again, his website is ticksmanjim, T-I-X-M-A-N-J-I-M.com. Thank you again to Ticksman Jim uh, for the support. We always uh, very much appreciate that. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, other side of the ball. What do you got, Fitz? What, what, this is, this is to me going into this week, uh, and even having watched a little bit, um, well, not a little bit, all of that Iowa game, it's, it's hard to tell for me how good necessarily this, this Ohio State defense. I think, I mean, I think they're very good, pretty obviously, but when Spencer Petrus is throwing the ball, right to them um it, it right. uh you right know, to it, them like right to like them right between the 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 number oh man that was like no. like blue chips point shaving like what's going on here this isn't right that is not I'm an just, accusation by I'm the kidding. way that is I'm a kidding. that is a movie reference not an accusation <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding um they do give up points i mean it, it has happened they're they're f- about 15 points per game um and given the the level of competition that they've played it's not exactly i mean a lot of that has come in in mop up time with their 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 uh, b team on on the on the field excuse me as i stumble over myself um but jim knowles has made a difference he's a guy that we highlighted well i highlighted um you know as as one of penn state's targets in terms of replacing brent pry um, and he's just a really, really good defensive coach, uh, technically sound at every level. Um, they create turnovers and they, they have fixed the really uh, the Achilles heel that they've had in the past, which is stopping the run. Um, so they've done a nice job of, of sewing that up and making it work. Um, Mike Hall is the guy in the middle, loved Mike Hall as a, as a prospect. He was going to Ohio state the entire time, but I, I mean, he was good. I didn't know he was going to be this good. He's their best uh, best guy against the run and as a pass rusher. I mean, he's gotten to gotten to the quarterback as a defensive tackle. Um, whoever is in there, you know, whether he's lined up against Norzad, uh, Wormley, um, you know, if he plays head up on the center, um, they're going to have they're going to have issues with Mike Hall. He's he's a phenomenal player. Um, talking like Outland Trophy type phenomenal player eventually in his career, and he's still fairly young. The D line, uh, very talented. They they rotate a lot of bodies through as Larry has always done, um, but uh, they occupy blockers so that the linebackers um, can make the plays. Uh, you look at Tommy Eichenberg, the middle linebacker, is playing like an All American level right now. Uh, seven tackles for lost, uh, two and a half sacks, leads the team in tackles by far. He's all over the place for them. Um, going back to my Mike Hall reference, seven and a half tackles for lost, four and a half sacks as a defensive tackle this at this point in the season is pretty, pretty ridiculous. And then steel chambers on the outside has four tackles for loss Um, in the secondary. I I mean, if you, if you're going to say that they're beatable in one area, you've you've got a chance to go down on the field on them. But I will, I will say that Oklahoma state transfer Tanner McAllister who came with Knowles uh, in the transfer portal last off season, he started to come on and he's been a a really underrated player for them. He has three interceptions um, this season. And I think he's going to continue to make plays, but uh yeah, that defense. There's, uh, you get a little bit more wiggle room in terms of uh, Penn State's approach to attacking their defense versus Penn State's approach to attacking Ohio State's offense, but it's still a pretty good unit. So, uh, going to have a tough time running the ball. Uh, you got to take your shots down the field, and you've got to got to convert when you do. Speaking of those shots down the field, we we buried the lead here. What did we see on 
Wednesday night at practice, uh, at least for me, I was on the offensive side of the field. Like Penn State was working on that. Right? Like that's that's something that I think uh, very clearly one is something that Penn State has not done overwhelmingly successfully this season. They had more success with it, obviously, last weekend against Minnesota. Um, but yeah, through, up until that point, explosive pass plays had been a problem for this Penn State offense. We still we still know, right, that third wide receiver, the Tinsley and Parker Washington aren't burners, that they're great possession receivers. Uh, can, can Penn State, does Penn State have the ability to stretch the field with whether it's Amari Evans or, or Trey Wallace, you, you know, one of those guys, Keandre Lambert-Smith, being able to to get behind that Ohio State defense. What do you think? Uh, absolutely. I mean, this is like my number one key um, outside of the the big macro stuff. You, you, you can't, you know, you're not going to be flawless, but you have to be as close as possible is winning those battles on the outside. And that means that's not just going down the field, but that's, you know, winning the battle for the, the eight yard reception, you know, just uh, the, the Penn state we've seen it at times. Parker Washington did a phenomenal job last week. Uh, Mitchell Tinsley did a really good job against Auburn catching the ball down the field. Um, but the problem with what we're referencing here is that we know a couple of examples that come to mind very quickly. And then beyond <laughs> that, there's not many instances where that's happening. So, um, yeah. those guys winning their battles on the outside, um, is absolutely paramount. Uh, you know, if, if you're Mike Yurisich, um, you can't be afraid to take it downfield and I don't want to say treat it like a punt, but like push that ball down the field. And if it get pick, gets picked off 50, you know, 50 yards down the field. Okay. That's fine. But you got to take those shots this week. Um, when you're, when you're outmanned, you got to be able to, uh, to do something special. I, I thought it was interesting listening to James Franklin on Wednesday night. I thought, I thought James was very good on Wednesday night, to, to be honest with you talking yep. about, you know, he's not going to talk about what new wrinkles they're putting in or anything like that, but for Ohio state to have to be prepared for something that they haven't seen. And, you know, there's, there's plenty that we haven't seen from this Penn state offense has been documented uh, very well on, on these podcasts, but um, you've got to, sort of make them uncomfortable, get them on their heels. That's not something Ohio State has had to deal with at all this this season. Part of that is because they start fairly well. Um, you know, I mentioned that 21 points against Wisconsin. Some of those games were over in the first quarter. Um, but, uh, yeah, you've got to be able to to come out and, and maybe take a shot or two. And if it's picked off, it's not the end of the world if you're 45 yards down the field. I think uh, to, to, to that point, Something that Penn State, you know, and I never really get a, a good sense of why this is, but be ready for Franklin and Penn State to go for it on fourth down, right? Like be, be ready for those borderline decisions to be aggressive. Uh, it, it is absolutely a defining thing that stands out to me about just about every game uh, in this series that. James Franklin wants to bring that type of approach because there's a reality on the backside of it of one, you need points if you're Penn state. So you just want to keep the ball and give your, your offense as many opportunities as you can. But two punting, isn't going to do you a whole lot, right? It, it is, is the more chances that Ohio state has, whether it's an, facing an 80 yard field, certainly a 60 yard field or less, uh, the, those punting situations for you, if you're around midfield and it's fourth down and five or, or less, I, I, I will not be at all surprised uh, to see to see James Franklin 
be very aggressive in some of those play calls. I mean, he, he, like you said, he talked about it on Wednesday night. You cannot go into this game thinking that you can just win straight up. Like you just, you can't, uh, you understand that there are things that are going to be different from some of the, the best practice type approaches that you've taken in the past that you have to mix up. And I very much fully expect them uh, to do that this weekend. They punted that ball to Auburn. They punted the ball to Auburn. And uh, I think it was the yep. first drive. They punted the ball to Minnesota on the first drive. They're not scared of those offenses. They weren't yep. scared of those offenses. They were confident in their defense. I'm not saying they're scared of the Ohio state offense, but there's reason to believe that, uh, as you mentioned, they can go 90 yards just as easily as they can go 50 yards. So I think that that's, that's really what you get. And, and, I don't want to say it's a wasted possession to punt there, but you know, you're, you want to get as many possessions as, as possibly can. And, you know, let's be honest, uh, Saturday, Saturday afternoon that happens. There's, there's no winning decision on that one unless you, yeah, you of break it. So if he doesn't get the first down uh, it's your fault. Um, but uh, it's, it's really a situation where they have to, to maximize their possessions and the margin of error. Once again, very, very small against Ohio state. You made an interesting point. When we were talking in, in, in the pre-show Um get to the fourth quarter. This is, this is what Penn state has did in that, in that game uh, in 2016, get to the fourth quarter and keep it close. Doesn't mean you have to be winning, but keep it close. And you've got an opportunity for football to happen essentially. Totally. Yeah. I, I, I called it luck. It's not luck, right? Being in the game in the first place is, is something of an accomplishment, but just, just, Find a way to get to a point where you can have something happen, right? Yeah. I'm not even going to say it. I was going to say Billy Zane. Um, but, but in any case, make your own luck. Titanic. Anyway. You were going with that. Yeah. 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 Dwight, anyway. Um, no. So look, it, it, Penn State, I think, it, I, I don't see any scenario where Penn State can win this game by three touchdowns, right? Like that's just not something that feels like it's in the realm of possibilities, but can Penn state get itself to a point where it's in a 27, 21 type of game in the fourth quarter and give itself a chance. That's honestly, that's what happened with, with Michigan last year, right? Is, is Michigan had a what 10, 10 point lead, something like that. And all of a sudden, you, you know, you get a, a, a strip sack and, or an interception and, and you're back in the game and you find yourself on the, the, the right side of the score for at that point, it was just a minute, but you get the picture, right? Like that, that's, that is the style of game that it's going to have to be if Penn state wants to find itself uh, on the winning side. What, what do you see? Uh, you know, we've been talking kind of all week about Penn state's defensive strength matching up against Ohio state's offensive strength being Penn state's defensive backs against their receivers. Who, who, who you got in that one? Who would I got? To, uh, that's a difficult question because those receivers are so good. I'm really looking forward to, as a fan of football, watching Marvin Harrison Jr. and Joey Porter Jr. go at it. I think Ohio State's going to go at Joey Porter because that is the way that they call games. They go find the guy that uh, you know you think is your best player, and if you beat him a couple times, it takes down the, the morale of the rest of the defense. So, And, and they've gotten flags against him before uh, for pass interference. And that's another thing going back to winning the battles on the outside, take a pass interference, you know, get, push the ball downfield and try to get a pass interference. Um, that's, that's, that's really where that's going to help you. But yeah. And that secondary um, I think, I think what it comes down to, and this is probably on both sides, Penn state splash plays can't be on yardage. Like 
yardage doesn't matter in this instance. Their splash plays need to result in turning three into seven or, you know, not turning seven into three, essentially. Um, And then resulting in turnovers, strip sacks you mentioned against the Michigan, things like that, getting your hands on the ball, a tip ball, things like that. Their splash plays, you know, they can have 12, 15-yard gains on the ground, and that's not going to matter if they kick a field goal, you know, they kick field goals instead of taking it. So their splash plays need to be resulting in points, um, resulting in turnovers and things like that. And that's, uh, that's really what you got to do is, is sort of turn the tide against um, a team that's this good and in, in all three facets and, and, and make that happen. So I think that that's going, that's a big, big picture question to matching up on the outside because you're going to find yourself with some really good corners going against some really good receivers and it should be entertaining. Um, and it should be what you want to see. And if you're Penn state's secondary, that's the, that's your strength. Do you play cover one? Do you play cover zero to get an extra guy after the quarterback to try and make CJ Stroud a little bit more uncomfortable and maybe a, an errant throw comes from that, a strip sack. Iowa got the strip sack last week, uh, against them and turned it into their best offense. So, um, it's, it's really, uh, th- that's the type of thing that you're when you're talking splash plays, you're not talking about uh, picking up 18 yards, 20 yards on something. You're talking about extending that play to the end zone. You remember when KJ Hamler took that, uh, that, that one yards, that's exactly what you're looking for. And that's a high, high standard to live by, but it's, it's what you have to do to beat Ohio state. Yeah, no question. Uh, you know, I think it's probably fair to say that this is not the week that you want compounding issues on the offensive line in terms of health. Uh, what do you, what do you think Penn state needs to be able to do there to, to just, you know, withstand what is, you know, just this long line of, of solid play from Ohio state's defensive front. That's going to be interesting because as much as we've talked about using those tight ends, pushing those tight ends down the field, what we saw last weekend was amazing to see because we've been calling for it for so long. But you're going to need to help out Bryce Afner. You're going to need to help those guys out. You need to, you've got two freshman running backs there trying to pick up blitzes. Ohio State knows that. Jim Knowles likes to blitz. He's going to send some different looks that this uh, that those guys in the backfield and and that offensive line have seen before. So maybe you need to keep a guy in, chip him hard, and just put him out in the flat and 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 have a little safety blanket for Sean Clifford. But you're going to have to help out that offensive line. I, I think that the the matchup skews heavily in favor of Ohio state, uh, a healthy Caden Wallace, even though we've, you know, talked about and criticized his play this season. Um, you know, he, he hasn't played half bad, you know, the last couple of weeks. So it, it's going to be a very, very interesting because de- Efner is also not only your backup at right guard, your backup at left guard, your backup at right. Ta- or now your starter at right tackle where he was your backup. He was also that extra offensive lineman that they brought in. So does this mean something different? Um, you know, I, I think, when we talk about saving red shirts and stuff like that, I think the Ohio state game is sort of off the table because this is yeah. a game that you, if you're going to use JB Nelson, if you're going to use Vega Ione, if you're going to have to use Drew Shelton, who I don't think is ready, but to, you might not have a choice. The Ohio state can't game has to count as one of those games where you're willing to expend that. And all those guys are sitting at two games currently love to keep the red shirt on them. But I, th- I think this is one of those games as we reference the water boy, you got to pull out all the stops. I mean, this is the, this is the big one. So I think yeah. that's what you're looking for in the offensive line. It's a bad time for injuries to hit. Of course, uh, Tengwall being out there um, changes a lot of things with how you, you know, rotate uh, Hunter Norris. That is your backup guard at both spots, and then he's your center. And then all of a sudden, your right tackle goes out, and you lose your backup at, ref- at right guard. So there's so many different um, 
sort of waterfalls and, and and things like that when it comes to offensive line injuries and Penn State not in a great spot, not in the worst spot, but not in the great spot right now. I think it I think it um, you know a little under the radar, but probably should be uh, slamming to the forefront a little bit is the role that Penn State's running backs play in pass protection as well and how much of an option they become to throw the ball to them out of the backfield, because I would anticipate not that much. Right. So you have, you have that, that is something that Penn state has, I think uh, attempted to start to work in a, a little bit to its offense, but yeah. uh, you know, like that's a tall task. That's going to be a very tall task, especially if Kevon Lee uh, isn't able to do it right. Where you have a little bit of that experience. Now what you're asking of Katron Allen and Nick Singleton is, is quite a bit. Uh, in terms of being able to pick up some of the things that are going to be coming at them. Uh, anything else? Anything Anything else that stands out to you uh, about this game and, and matchups that Penn State needs to win? No, I think we've fairly trampled expectations here. Um, <laughs> look, Ohio State's really Don't cool. even watch it. I mean, no. That is, that is certainly not what we're saying. Uh, watch it and then read our coverage and like this video and do all the stuff that helps us out. But, yeah, Ohio State is ranked number two for a reason. And I, I said before, you know, that the competition that they've played is two things. It's not great. And it's also kind of irrelevant because they yeah. are a, a machine when it comes to both sides of the football. Um, you know, Penn state's got to, uh, got to keep them off balance, got to keep them uh, on, on their heels, essentially on defensively and keep it close. Um, I don't want to say keep it close as long as they can, but you get into the fourth quarter and it's a three point game. Anything can happen. We've seen that before. So um, I have, as we get into predictions, I have Penn State falling 41-28. I do think they can score some points. Um, I think it's uh, you push the ball down the field, um, get a few, maybe a lucky bounce or two, and and, and pick some things up. Um, but Ohio State, that firepower, they can score so quickly, and that's uh, that's really where the direction that I see it going. And and you know, to to, to Penn State's credit, they've played Ohio State fairly well um, over the last decade ish, um, and it's uh, is it's one of those games where maybe the opposing the opposing offense uh Ryan Day might I don't want to say dial back things but play things a little bit more conservatively because of the environment because he's playing some young guys at some spots um but yeah I think Ohio State with the with the superior talent is is going to bubble up yeah I have uh myself I have 38 27 I I just I I think actually Penn State will probably have some success more success offensively they they've played well offensively for the most part against Ohio state in a lot of these games, uh, you, you know, I just, I, I think it's going to be very, very tough uh, regardless of what the score is in the fourth quarter, but it's going to be really tough to keep Ohio state out of the end zone for four, for four quarters, right. With any sense of proficiency. So like it's, it's almost as though I'm saying, and I know this makes people mad holding Ohio state to 38 is an accomplishment in some senses, <laughs> <laughs> like it's just a little bit of an accomplishment. I just don't see Penn State's offensively, uh, even if it does have more success than people anticipate. I just I don't see it being able to keep up, to keep pace, and that becomes kind of the breaking point uh, for Penn State in this game. They're, they're averaging fifty points a game, so I mean they they put up forty nine against uh, Michigan State and Rutgers. Uh, 52 against Wisconsin, 77 against Toledo, which does help inflate that number. And and last week, I mean, 54 against Iowa in a game that I don't want to say was that close, but I think it was, what, 23-10, uh, which, you know, 10 points for Iowa, although they came defensively. You're not used to that. So um, it was it was a game that was a little bit of slow. Like a, I said this, uh, I said something the other night on the live show, 
And somebody said in the comments, well, Ohio State starts slow. They started slow last week and scored 16 points in the first quarter. So that's kind of where they're at with starting slow is a little bit of a sliding scale. Yeah. But that would be a win for Penn State, like holding them to 16 points, like just keeping them to field goals. Those kinds of things are wins in a lot of cases. It's just can your offense outpace that? And I think that it it has been clear enough at this point. You know, it's not like they're not necessarily reaching their their total height offensively. It's just like, oh, well, this is who they are. This is what this Penn State offense is. They have a home run hitter in Nick Singleton. Katron Allen does a lot of good things. Uh, it just it just feels like between the offensive line, quarterback position, you're you're dealing with another situation where um, you know this might be as good as you can hope for uh, for this season uh, out of Penn State's offense. They've scored we'll single digits one time in the uh, first quarter this year. That was against uh, that was against Notre Dame, which is an interesting one because obviously Notre Dame hasn't done anything since then. But kind of what I was talking about with Ryan Day earlier in a bigger game, in a perceived bigger game, yep. maybe you dial things back a little bit, let your team try and get a little bit more comfortable and and see how it goes from there. But uh, yeah, the slow starts uh, not not really on the table this week. And if Penn State comes out False. and goes three and out a couple times, that that would be probably a 14 nothing game so yep. uh that's that's certainly what you want to avoid but uh yeah catch them off guard catch them with some double moves catch them with the screen game and things like that is is you know we're gonna see if these guys can can coach around that and that's been a criticism of of james franklin for for a long long time we're gonna see if uh he can write the ship this weekend we will see what happens i am eagerly anticipating this game i think it's gonna be fun fun to watch uh and, you know, should take on a different character from a couple of weeks ago. Uh, until that time, uh, we will see you later. We will catch you after the game on Saturday. Sean and I obviously will be joined by Greg Pickle. Uh, if you're watching this, I know Sean said it earlier. Please like the video. If you're on the Apple podcast, make a review, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, please leave a review. Uh, don't say mean things about me, though. It hurts my feelings uh, <laughs> as, as John looks on it, doom. Uh, but in any case, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we will be back on Saturday afternoon. Uh, take care. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.